Sufficit tibi gratia mea. My grace is sufficient for thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Last Sunday we were presented with Adam's set to tend the garden, to keep it, to work it. We were told to go and labor in the vineyard. And at the same time, we already knew that sin and death would drive Adam out of the garden. We knew that life would become hard, that we would have to contend in the race to deny ourselves things. We heard at Matins throughout the week how things went from bad to worse with the fall of man, with the murder of Abel, with the continual descent of man into further and further iniquity. And today we see that things are very bad indeed. We heard at Matins what God saw as he looked out upon his creation, what had become of his creation. Bidens autem Deus cur multa malitia ominum esset in terra. God, seeing that great was the wickedness of man upon the earth, and that all the thought of his heart was intent upon evil at all times, repented him that he had, men, that he had made man upon the earth, and touched with sorrow of the heart deep within, he said, I shall wipe out man whom I created from the face of the earth, for I regret that I made them. God looks upon his creation completely overcome with sin. There is no one who is righteous, not even one. And he's full of sorrow. A sorrow which we will contemplate more as the week goes on, because it's quite fitting that during this week we are given the great feast of reparation. God still looks out upon the earth and sees the ingratitude of his children. He still sorrows over what has become of his creation. But he calls upon us to be the instruments of his healing and his reparation of what he has made. But meanwhile, we know that we are part of this creation, part of this mass of mankind whose thoughts are intent upon evil all the time. We sense that we cannot rely upon our own action at all, as the colleague said. Ex nulla nostra accione confidimus. We sense our utter weakness. We realize that we're not strong enough to go and work in the vineyard. We're not strong enough to run in the race. All of these things that were set before us last week, we come back this week, as it were, and say, that's simply too much for me. There's no way I can do that. And so it is that today the Mass sets before us not so much the task that we have to fulfill, the mountain that we have to climb. Today's Mass sets before us the only remedy, sufficit tibi gratia mea. My grace is sufficient for thee. St. Paul, whom we might think of as someone who was quite strong, he went through the list of 
all of the things that he had undertaken for the gospel. But as he opens his heart to the Corinthians, he goes on to expose more and more of what's in his heart, more and more of what really makes him go. And he tells them that the only things that he glories in are his infirmities, which allow the power of Christ to dwell in him. And this is the position that all of us are in. We have nothing of our own but our infirmities. And we rely completely upon the grace of Christ. The grace of Christ who comes to scatter his seed and allow that seed to grow within us. What our Lord looks for today is not so much strong men who will labor in the vineyard. What he looks for today is open hearts, good soil in which the seed can take root and bear fruit. It's interesting if we look at the context of this parable in Luke chapter 8, as is often fruitful to do, to look at what comes before and what comes after. Right before the crowds come up and he tells them this parable, we hear that Jesus was going about preaching and spreading the good news of the kingdom. With him were the twelve apostles and certain women whom he had freed from evil spirits and from sicknesses. Mary, who was called Magdalene, who had seven devils cast out of her, and Joanna, and Susanna, and many others who ministered to him with the means they had. Going back a little bit further, while she's not explicitly identified, tradition believes this Mary Magdalene, who had seven devils cast out of her, to be the very woman whose encounter with Jesus is described right before that at the end of chapter 7. Jesus goes to the house of Simon the Pharisee, and the sinful woman comes in, weeping, anointing his feet with her tears, washing them with her tears, anointing them with oil, wiping them with her hair. And our Lord pointed up the contrast between the seemingly righteous Simon, who was looking down upon this woman, and who had failed to give him a kiss, failed to give him oil, and the gestures of the sinful woman whose sins are forgiven because she loved much. We have here two kinds of soil. The Pharisee being rather like the hard ground of the path where the seed is trampled or taken away by the birds because it can't penetrate, or perhaps like the rocks on which the seed grows for a time that then withers because there's no moisture the moisture of charity, the moisture of compunction is lacking in his heart. Or if there is anything growing there, it's the briars of the cares of this world, the busyness of life, all of these things prevent him from being receptive to the seed. But this woman, for all of her sinful past, she has a heart that's ready to receive it. And this is what our Lord is looking for. A heart in which that word will be received, will be embraced, will be held onto, 
and in which it will bear fruit in patience. And so, all of us, when we see our weaknesses, when we see that we are bad and worthless laborers, hardly fit to be sent into the vineyard, we can at least seek to be open and receptive soil in which the word can strike root and bear fruit in patience. Patience as we wait for God to act, because his time is not always our time, and so much of our life in Christ is waiting for him to act and patiently doing the little things that we can do as God's grace slowly works in our soul. Finally, as we stand upon the threshold of a great feast of Our Lady, we can look at what comes after this parable. Right after the passage that we heard in the Gospel, our Lord speaks of lighting the lamp so that the light is seen by all. And then his mother and brethren came to visit him, but could not reach him because of the multitude. So word was given him, Thy mother and thy brethren are standing without asking to see thee. But he answered them, My mother and my brethren are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This can superficially seem like a dismissal of his mother and his brethren, but we know, St. Luke certainly knows, that the mother of Jesus heard and kept the word of God as no one else did. He described several times at the beginning of his gospel how she did that. And so, she is given to us, her most pure heart is given to us as the perfect embodiment of what we sang in the Antiphon Terse. Those who hold on to the word of God, corde perfecto et optimo, in a perfect and excellent heart, corde perfecto et optimo, that is the purest heart of Our Lady, which holds on to the word of God and which bears fruit in patience. As we journey towards the beginning of Lent, asking our Lord to do in us all the things that we cannot do for ourselves, calling upon the help of the Apostle of the Gentiles today, of the Abbot St. Romuald, of all of the saints, to make up for what is lacking in our weakness. We turn to her above all and we ask that our hearts might be placed within her most pure heart, so that with her we can receive the word with an open and humble and receptive and generous heart, and hold on to that word and allow it to bear fruit in patience. Amen. Amen.